0: We're in a series called On the Road to Your Destiny, On the Road Detours, On the Road to Your Destiny, Destiny, and I'm moving quickly because I want to get right into the text because I believe God wants to speak to you this morning about a particular matter and challenge you in something that you may have been holding on to for far too long that He want to break off of us today in this service. Are you willing to allow him to do that today? Okay, I must be talking too fast. My accent is, must be too pronounced because I don't think you understood what I said. I said I want to get quickly to the text because I believe the Lord wants to speak to us, each of us individually, and he, I believe he wants to break off of some of us some things we've been holding on to far too long. Are you willing to allow him through the Holy Spirit to do that today in this service? Okay. Sometimes I just need to slow down. My wife tells me that all the time, but i Uh, You know, I just, okay, let me keep going. (laughs) Destiny its worth reviewing because some of you may not have been here in the last two weeks. But destiny, the definition of it is so important. Because when we talk about destiny, it's not a biblical word. We're talking about the customized life calling for which God has equipped and ordained us in order to bring him the greatest glory and the maximum expansion of his kingdom. That is what we are saying. That is what we mean whenever you hear the word destiny moving forward. Is that all right? Now, we all have a destiny. You might want to just refer to it as a purpose in life. And if you are a Christ follower, a believer in Christ, you have a purpose. You have a destiny. God has something through, the, through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, that he wants to get done that only you can do. That's why it's called a customized life calling because it is Particular And it fits you and you only. And the, and the beauty of it is when we start to move in that direction and, and we know that we're equipped and ordained in it, it, it brings him the greatest glory and the maximum expansion of his kingdom. We have been studying the life of Joseph, chapters 37 through 50 of Genesis. Many of us have been reading through chapters 37 and 30 and 50 of Genesis for the last couple of weeks. We will continue to do so next week when we bring this series to a close. I know some of you might be familiar with Joseph and his coat of many colors. But I don't know about you, but if you've been reading it like I've been reading I've found out a lot more about the life of Joseph as I've been reading his word and meditating on his word. God has a destiny for our lives, but how he gets us there is seldom straightforward. Usually he takes us on detours or delays or interruptions or, or, or just he takes us to a place and leaves us there. He does that. He does that for a couple of reasons. One reason I found he's done it in my life is to mature me like he wants to mature you. The other reason why he does that is because he has to prepare the place that he's taken us to. So, Jesus, so God is, wants to mature us And at the same time, he wants to mature and work on and get ready to place the place that he's calling us to. We might spend a lot of time in these detours. And sometimes in the detours, we even will experience some setbacks, some disappointments, some things that cause us grief. Sometimes we're in these detours not because God has specifically called us to it sometimes it's because I put myself in a detour because some of the decisions that I've made in my life and other times I find myself in, in these detours in these places off the, off the road to my destiny because of what other people have done to me and we left Joseph in a place last week at the end of the service you know, sort of like a cliffhanger. We left, left everybody just hanging because we left them at verse 23 of chapter number 40 where he had told, given an interpretation to the chief cupbearer and the baker because they, had, they both came out of Pharaoh's kingdom and they had these dreams. They couldn't figure them out. And he had given an interpretation to the dream to the cupbearer and he had told the cupbearer, listen, when you get back to Pharaoh, remember me. Because he felt like if Pharaoh would hear what he was able to do and what he had done and restored his servant to him, that he may get him out of this dungeon that he had been banned to. That's where we left him, but we left him in this precarious position because verse 23 says that the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph, he forgot him. Now, I remember, I know like like me, many of you, it was like I've been there before. It was like I was almost there. Things were almost working out. It was like everything was starting to come together and all of a sudden it looked like God just left me. He forsake me. He forgot about me. He put me up on the shelf. Anybody, anybody have any feelings like that in the past? Anybody ever felt that way in the past? I believe some of us might be feeling that way right now and God wants to speak to you this morning. And then to make matters even more of a concern, when we go to, to, to chapter number 41, look what we see. When two, four years have passed and Pharaoh had a dream. This morning, we're going to be talking simply about moving from detour to destiny. Moving from detour to destiny. When, do we, when can we get a sense that it's time to get off of this detour and get back on the road that's going to take us to where God intended for us to go all the time? And it's been two years now. Two years has passed. Sometimes detours take a while. God sets us there for not just a minute, but for some days and sometimes for months and years like he did for Joseph. But I want you to see that it was necessary for it to be there, for him to be there two years because, see, he had to do several things. One, he had to make sure that when Joseph got back on the road to his destiny that he wanted to make sure that Everyone knew, Joseph knew, who was working the details out. Because when he told that cupbearer the interpretation of that dream and told him, don't, don't forget, I don't know about you. But see, if I'd been in that shoes and if the cupbearer had came back and knocked on that door and said, hey, Shields, come on out of here. You know what I gave credit to? I would have gave credit to Shields. But God left, left them there. Because, see, first thing I want you to understand is God has a way of making sure that we are clear on who. Is working the details out. It's God and God himself. The second thing I want you to notice here is the reason why he, to stay, he had to stay there two years, and I know we probably feel sorry for him, and we feel sorry for ourselves when we find ourselves delayed for far too long. But maybe this will help us. Maybe this will encourage us. Another reason why he was there is because he had to give time for Pharaoh to have this dream that he was going to have. Because until Pharaoh had that dream, things couldn't come together for him to get back on the road to his destiny. It makes make sense in a minute. And the third reason why I would say that it had to be two years. Is because God had to give Joseph a new perspective on his disappointments in life. You know I know sometimes we're disappointed because of our own shortcomings. Our own rash decisions. But there are other times that we have to endure these disappointments because what God is up to, God is just simply working because he's setting the stage for him to be the hero in the story and not anyone else. So Pharaoh has his dream. I'm going to quickly go to the dream because it's, it's a, it says a dream in the Bible, but it's almost like a nightmare. Let me read it to you. Verses 2 through 4 in chapter 41 says, When out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. And after them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. Pharaoh flew around and went back to sleep and had another dream. He fell asleep again in the second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other gr- heads of grain sprouted. Thin and scorched by the east wind, the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy foreheads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. The problem was this: Pharaoh didn't understand the dream. Now Pharaoh was the king of Egypt. He was the number one man. He had all kinds of resources, people. He had he had he had these sorcerers. He had these magicians. He had these soothsayers, all at his disposal. Like all Egyptians in the, of this culture, they, they, they consulted these mediums and everything to find out the meaning, and they had been right a lot of times, but when he went to them this time, they could not figure it out. That lets us know sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we get in these detours. No matter how much money we have, no matter how much influence we have, no how much clout we have, sometimes we just can't figure out, and God puts us there because he wants us to, to rely on him and him alone. So, he's telling this story and he's going to his to this people and they can't figure it out. And then you remember that cupbearer I talked about a while ago? You know, he'd been silent for two years. You remember? He got out of, he got out of the prison and went back to his job, forgot all about Joseph. But look what it says in verse number nine. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I am reminded of my shortcomings. What took you so long, cupbearer? What took you so long? I believe it took him that long because he was so glad to get back in there and be serving the king. And, and remember what I told, we talked about last week. Evidently something bad had gone down because Pharaoh sent the cupbearer and the baker to jail. I, you know, we speculate that evidently somebody must have been trying to poison the king and he didn't know which Pharaoh and he didn't know which one it was. So he put both of them in jail. And the cupbearer cup probably knew he, he wasn't guilty. But when he finally got back, he wasn't dare going to bring this back up to Pharaoh again. But here it is two years later, and all of a sudden, he's reminded. And the Bible says that Pharaoh, he told Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night. Each dream had a meaning of his own. Now, a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard, we told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. This probably triggered Pharaoh's memory. He thought about, yes, I remember all of that. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly bought from the dungeon. Now, I'm looking at verse number 14, chapter 41. It's not on the screen. This is a good reason. This is a good, good invitation. Bring your Bibles. Sometimes I'm going to go somewhere that's not on the screen, so you don't want to get left out. So bring your Bibles and read along with me. Look what happens in, chapter four, in verse 14. When Pharaoh sent for Joseph, he was quickly brought from the dungeon. And I know we got some students here out of school coming in for Thanksgiving holiday. This is and, and, and students is not going to school tomorrow. High school students, this is a word for you. This is a word particular for you. Listen to what happens. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. What am I trying to say to you? Opportunity is going to come your way. Get prepared when it comes. It might be the only shot you get. Evidently, Joseph knew this was his chance, And he... he quickly shaved and changed his clothing and went there before Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now I want you to see something that happens next. You remember when Joseph had the first dreams? Back in chapter 37, y'all remember that? He was 17 years old. 17, you don't have those dreams about the stalks that bowed down to, his, to him. And then he had the sun and the moon and all the stars bowed down to him and he was telling his brothers, brothers got mad with him. That's how he wound up in this mess in the first place because God had to work on him a little bit about how he needed to handle information and how he needed to not prance out in front of everybody and just make everybody just jealous of him because he was the man. You remember that? See, God had been working on his heart because he had a different attitude about these dreams this time. Because look what he says in verse 16. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. See, D2 is working. He began to give, make sure he gave God all the credit. Now he's getting ready to have to interpret these dreams. He's been in jail for now a total of about, let's see, probably... Uh eleven years or so. I'll show you why we know that in a few minutes. And he's getting ready to hear these interpretations. I know he probably was anxious. He's gonna tell me these dreams and he's gonna demand that I give him interpretation. He's already said, but God would give Pharaoh the answer he deserves. It reminds me of scripture of what the wisest man in the Bible wrote down. The wisest man in the Bible is Solomon. He wrote down in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. See, I believe, I believe through, the, through, the, through the visiting of detours, through delays, disappointments, through setbacks, Joseph... Joseph embraced this. He didn't trust in his own interpretation. He didn't trust in his own ability. He didn't try to just figure it out himself. He trusted the Lord. He leaned not on his own understanding. He, 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 listen to how Peterson paraphrases it. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. So, with that thought in mind, he began to tell Pharaoh, before I go on, let me, let me, let me, I, I, think, I think sometimes it helps to have a little illustration. Just, just to know where, this whole trust, trust from the bottom of your heart. Trust in the Lord, this whole thing about trusting in the Lord. You know, how many, how many of you got a watch on your arm? You got a watch on your arm? Hold it up, let me see I'm trying to see which one I want for Christmas. No, I'm just kidding. All right, what do you use that for? You use it to tell time. And now some of us that don't have a watch on our arm, we got, what, what else we got on our body? We got a cell phone. Yeah, thank you, Janice. Pull it out right away. So if I ask you what time is it, what time is it? What do you got to do? And what time is it? What, I'm not, it's not a trick question. What time is it? 12-11. If you don't have one, look on with somebody else. Bobby, that's all right. You got something in it. It's 12-11. Now, not, not trusting, I'm talking about just trusting. You looked at your watch. You trusted that that time was right. Even though you can't see behind the faceplate of that watch and all the little details that's going on that's working right now to make that time pop up on there so that you can see it. And on your cell phones, you can, you can go up to a whole another degree. There's so much activity going on in that cell phone to make it, you know, it it actually goes up to the satellite to get it synced to the exact time so it's always right on the money. But you just look at the face on it. You see it. But we don't, even, we don't even understand or we don't even recognize a lot of times that there's a lot of things going on where we don't see, where we can't see. And that's the way God works. We need to trust in him even though we can't see what's going on all behind because there's a lot of things that he's pulling together, a lot of folks that he's putting in place, a lot of situations that he's working out, a lot of things that he's bringing you to. He's working on you and he's working on your destination all at the same time. Just trust him. Trust that he's working out all the details and it all come together in due time. trust in the Lord. So, so he begins to tell him about those dreams. He said, now let Pharaoh look for No, I'm sorry. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. He's talking about the meaning of the dreams, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. This is what the message he had for Pharaoh. Pause right there for a second. If you if you stuck in a detour, if you've been in a detour a long time and you're wondering, God, when am I going to start getting out? of this detour back on the road to my destiny. Let me tell you, as you start to hear from God, as you start to see the things that he's put in your heart, in your spirit start to come true, look for confirmation because he always confirmed his word with, through another believer who will bring have you ever had that experience when somebody's told you something or you read something or you got an impression deep in your heart you knew it's from the Lord and you walk off from somebody and they tell you the very same thing and confirm it look for it because God will confirm it he confirmed it for Joseph for having two dreams he confirmed it at the beginning because he had two dreams in the beginning he confirmed it when he, had, when he interpreted it for the baker and the and the cupbearer because there were two dreams. God always confirms his word to us if we we're just listening and not got our nose stuck and not got our attitude all out of mix where well, we can't hear it and we can't see it when he brings it to us. He will confirm his word. Amen. So he tells the reason. not only God gives him the interpretation of the dream this is what happens when, we, when we're trusting in him when we're not depending on our own understanding when we're really seeking his face when we're looking for confirmation, not only did he get the word about the interpretation, but guess what? God gave him even wisdom on what to do about it. Look what happens in verses 33 through 38. He told Pharaoh, now, "Now, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food for these good years that they are coming that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? You remember what destiny, the definition was? You remember what the definition was? I hope by the time we finish this series, you will have this down. It's a customized calling that we have been equipped and ordained for, for the for the greatest glory of God and the maximum expansion of his kingdom. We see it already starting to take form here because here we have an Egyptian ruler, a pharaoh, a pagan, an idol worshiper who is beginning to acknowledge the presence of the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can you see his presence starting to spread already through the obedience of Joseph in this place? Look at this. Here's Pharaoh talking to his people about this God that Joseph serves. After interpreting interpreting the dream and then telling Pharaoh what to do about the dream, Pharaoh is so pleased that you know what he does? He makes Joseph the ruler over all Egypt underneath him. Now you got to read this. You got to read this. Read um, chapters 41, 42, 43, 44, 45. It's, it's It's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful story, but I want to just quickly go. Because, because you see, from here, we find that Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and as wise as you. The very words that he used, Joseph, uh, Pharaoh turned around and said, you are the one. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. He is the number two man in a foreign country. Here is a Hebrew young man who is in an Egyptian place and has been put in a place of being the number two person in charge. Not only that, but Pharaoh gives him an Egyptian wife an Egyptian name, he become totally immersed in the culture, but he still holds on to his belief and his following of God. You can see something about what's going on with Joseph. Look down at verse number 51. Joseph had two sons. Look what he names the sons. The first he named Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. And the second son he named Ephraim And said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. But God is working on Joseph, yes. But Joseph is not the only person that's in a detour. His father Jacob is in a detour because he's still back in Canaan. Jacob is a rich man, has many resources, has many sons, has a family, has influence. But see, God's been working things out because he wants to get a hold of Jacob and his sons because he's got to move them from where they are to the destiny that he has for them and that's what all this timing is about because this famine starts in, verse, in chapter number 42 because the seven years of prosperity happens and after the prosperity we're talking about the first two years of this famine and this famine is so severe look what it says in verse 1 of chapter 42 when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt He said to his sons, I love the way he talked to his sons here. He said this to them, why do you just keep looking at each other? I have heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. And these 10 boys, these 10 men, they leave Canaan and they come to Egypt to try to buy some grain so their people will not starve. You remember that dream Joseph had way back, chapter 37? You remember that dream he had about them bowing down to him? Look at verse number six. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold all grain, sold grain to all his people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Now we're going to get ready to close here. We're going to leave kind of in suspense again this Sunday. Come back next Sunday and we'll take it on to the next, to the next level. But I, I told you, I believe God wants to challenge us in something. And this is what I think he wants to challenge us in. Because as I've read through that, I, I know some of us probably say, man, Joseph, that was a lot of coincidence happened for him. He was a lucky guy. He had some bad luck along the way. The cars didn't fall right for him sometime, but it seems like everything just coming in line now for him. And I would say to us that I believe this is what God wants to break off of us dependence on luck, fate, chance, happenstance. And if that's some of your vocabulary, I'm gonna challenge you to stop saying it this day, not tomorrow, but today. Because happenstance, luck, fate, chance had nothing to do with what's happening with Joseph and his people in this story right here. And guess what? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, happenstance, luck, chance, fate, the cards, the readings, all the tarot readings, all that stuff, ain't, that has nothing to do with the plans that God has for you. And as soon as we start depending on that mess and start believing on revelation from him, I believe we will come out of these detours we find ourselves and get back on the road to our destiny. Providence and, and sovereign, sovereign sovereignty are words we need to replace those other words with. Providence is the way God arranges things to achieve his sovereign purposes. God's sovereignty. God is a sovereign God. What do I mean by that? He has absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure because he is the creator. He is the sustainer. He made it all. He sustains it all and he gets a chance and he has absolute Ruled over all. And if that's not the way we've been operating, I suggest we spend some time in meditation until we can get that and we can own that. Because if we don't have that, we can't move forward. We'll always be going about, I'm just not lucky. It just didn't fall my way. And that is some things that we just need to stop depending and leaning on and lean on the Lord. Providence. Providence is another word I think we need to, need to learn. Let me, let, me, let me just help you out. I know that's a good old theological word, but it's not that. It's not that hard. It simply means that it essentially means foresight and making provision beforehand. So if. God is a, has a providential nature, that means He sees all these things. Because I know all while we've been doing this, some of us have been sitting here and saying, But you don't know the bad stuff people did to me. You don't know the bad things I did. And you keep talking about going on this destiny, but all this junk that happened in my life. God knew it before it ever happened. And this is what I'm trying to say to us if we would just trust, that he would take all those things and he would reshape them, reform them, repurpose them and then put them in the place and put them in the mix so that he can continue to go down in the destiny that he has for you. We can get out of our detour and on the road to our destiny. See, luck and chance and all that stuff, you know what that, you know what that is? That's just things that that, that that just happens at random and there's no purpose to their occurrence it's just random things but God is not a random God and when it comes to you he doesn't look at any part of your life as random if we would get the right vision the right perspective on this he'll take anything and everything and all things that happen that we go through that we experience and he will use them shape them to move us to where he desires for us to go. Amen. Those that's praying with, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're here and you're you here to pray with people as they get ready to respond, this would be a great time for you to come up and position yourself behind one of these altars. Because we're going to move from here, and I, I'm going to ask you to give me five more minutes. Five. I'm going to ask you to not leave in these five minutes, because what's going to happen in these five minutes, I better say Seven. Father might be too quick. And, and you say, well, what you want me to do if I don't, if I don't need to respond? If I, need, I, I need you to pray. I need you to pray because I believe that there's some people in this room that right now the Holy Spirit is reminding you of how you've been stuck in a detour far too long because you had not been able to let go of the bad things and the bad decisions and the bad stuff that's happened in your life. You've been stuck in a detour far too long because you're just mad with God and mad with everybody else because you've seen opportunity pass you by. You thought you was going to get it and it, and it went to somebody else. And you're just mad and you're stewing. You're just, you just, you just simmering in your own juices right there. And I believe that's what I talked about earlier. I believe God wants to break that off of you Today. Today. Not tomorrow, not next week. I'm talking about today. I believe God has the power to do that to, for us today. Anybody believe He has the power to do that for us today? <laughs> last scripture I want to share with you is a scripture that, that we hear a lot. And I and I pray. I pray. I, I saved it for the last thing that I'm going to say as far as scripture from the word because it's a scripture that we've heard many times and some of us when we hear it we kind of turn off because we say that that's not that's not true that's not true but in light of what we've just discussed listen to these words that Paul wrote to the Romans Paul simply said and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Beloved, if you've rejected that scripture because you said, no, that didn't work for me, that hadn't worked for me, I pray that something has been said today will get you to see this in a new light. Would you stand with me, please? Remember now, I'm doing good. I think I got about three minutes left. And it doesn't take long with God. How many of y'all know that? It doesn't take long at all with God. So what I'm going to ask us to consider doing, if God is really speaking to your heart, if this message has... And, and you say, well, Derek, I don't know exactly what... Don't worry about what it is. Just take a step of faith and come on down here to this altar. And get down on your knees. Maybe get someone's hand and say, listen, I just need you to pray with me. I just need you to pray for me. I need you to intercede on my behalf. Because something is going on on the inside. And I don't know exactly what it is. But you know, if it's starting on the inside, that's God working. Because that's the way he works on us. He started from the inside and it works out. Yeah. And so I want to invite you. To come to these altars, come to these altars. I'm, I'm I'm gonna come right now. Come now. Come on. I'm running out. We're running out of time. I don't want. I don't want to belabor the point. I mean, there are some people, I, I looked across this uh, this congregation and I recognize folks, you've got people in your family, you've got children that made bad decisions, you've got children that seem to get, that went left and, instead of going right, and you're saying to yourself, but you see, God can't redeem you, and I'm telling you, that's not the truth. God knew it was going to happen, and if we would just allow him to, he would do something with that, and take that child and get him to the purpose, her to the purpose that he's had for all the time. All he needs is somebody to exercise a little bit of faith. See, God doesn't show us the whole picture. He doesn't show it to us so that we'll learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Would you respond as the Lord leads? And if you still need to come and pray, come on. People will stay here as long as you need. I appreciate your patience. I know I've taken a little longer than the the six minutes I asked for, but I pray for your grace. You know, I had to get out, I had to go outside, go down the ramp, come all around, but y'all waited on me, and I'm glad. Thank you very much. I want you to do me, I want to ask you to do something. As you go about your day, as you go about your week, I want you to to just greet people with this phrase. It's a phrase that we've had here at Christ Community Church for many years. It's one that God has laid on my heart that we just need to kind of get back to. And it's simply this. Live for a change. Can you all say that with me? Live for a change. As we greet one another, as we greet friends, as we greet other, beloved, other believers in Christ. As we, believe, as we greet those who we know maybe don't even know Christ. Just simply put that phrase on them. Try that phrase out. Live for a change. Oh yeah, you can say it any way you want to. You can say live, live for a change. change. Or you can say live for a change. Either way, I believe if we start using that phrase in our greetings to one another, it'll draw interest. People will say, what do you mean by that? And you can say, just come on and go with me. And I'll point you to the one that will allow you to live for a change. God bless you and keep you.